Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game! The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. I need that family feud uh, wrong sound. I'm not Darren. I'm Jimmy Rosari. Sitting in for Darren, uh, pretty much all through the rest of this week and through Monday. Darren taking some time off after uh, after football season. <laughs> Eventually, I'll be able to at some point. God. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's another story for another day. It is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Of course, uh, brought to you by the fine folks at Budweiser. King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Also by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area. Now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. Also by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. And by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Um... As promised on Twitter and uh, and also uh, on 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 Twitch as well, uh, which by the way, um, you know we're we're here. By the way, we are here. Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT on the Twitch machine. Uh, the world's worst World Cup update. Trust me, it will be terrible. This is the official World Cup music, by the way. Hey, men's national team won. Something they hadn't done in, in group play yet. They advanced to the knockout stage, uh, beating Iran today. 
to finish second in Group B and to book a last 16 matchup against the Netherlands. Christian Pulisic uh, turned Sergino Dest's headed cross in the 38th minute to get the crucial breakthrough, putting his body on the line and suffering a, an abdominal injury at the same time. Okay. Not going to lie, there, there can be some legitimate injuries in, in soccer. There can be. But, you know, drama and all that. I'm barely going to brush up against you. Ah, my leg is off! England, which beat Wales 3-0 in the other final group game, uh, topped the group at seven points, ahead of the U.S. on five points. Iran, which would have advanced with a tie, uh, finished third ahead of bottom-placed Wales. U.S., uh, like I said, going to be taking on Netherlands on Saturday as it looks to reach the quarterfinals for the first time since 2002. Meantime, while a place in the knockout rounds was at stake, the build-up to the game had been dominated by the off-the-field news, of course, including U.S. soccer's decision to scrub the Islamic Republic symbol from Iran's flag in a pre-match tweet on Sunday. U.S. soccer later restored the image on Iran's flag in its entirety on social media, but not before drawing the ire of the country's government and its federation, because, you know, what else is new? Uh, Iran's government reacted by accusing U.S. soccer of removing the name of God from their national flag, and Iranian football federation said their country will lodge a complaint with FIFA over the scrubbing of the Islamic Republic emblem. Drama. Drama, drama, drama. Uh also, in other World Cup news, a Qatari official involved in the organization of the country's World Cup has put the number of worker deaths related to the tournament between 400 and 500 for the first time. Don't really need to say more than that. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, that is your World Cup update as far as, uh, as far as the U.S. goes in group play. Winning one nothing over, or I'm sorry, 1-0 over Iran. One nil over Iran. Um, you know what's happening on Twitter. You know, if, if you use that app, you know, through a, through a pretty good click, uh, you know, if, if, if that's what you use to, uh, to get, you know, breaking sports news. It, it's great. It's great for that. Um, you know, breaking news in general. Um, and also, it can it can be really pretty fun sometimes. There 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 are times when when the app is actually uh, quite human, which uh, can't really say that about too many other social media apps. Quite honestly, like Facebook just seems so mechanical, and you know TikTok seems so staged. You know, I mean, like TikTok is basically people lip syncing to other people's stuff. So, um. Yeah, you know, just kind of garbage, really. Uh, but Twitter can actually be you know, really kind of human. Um, but of course, Elon Musk has taken over, and think you know the the standards at which people uh, are uh, are are upheld to as far as uh, misinformation. Uh, those standards have kind of gone out the window completely. <laughs> Case in point, and. Reminder, be careful out there, okay? Be careful out on the social media. Monday, of course, a big day for Nebraska football. 
the uh, the Scott Frost era ushered out, Matt Rule era ushered in. Um, and there was quite a bit of excitement, especially since it appears that the uh, team also has a new offensive coordinator in Scott Satterfield. Uh for a minute there, too, it seemed like the Huskers might be in line for a new quarterback. How? You'd think, you know, maybe transfer portal? Well, yeah, actually. Nebraska football expected to be heavily involved in the portal again this year, just like last year. And, uh, you know, you, you, you see how well they did that. But a tweet from what turned out to be a parody account got Nebraska football fans wondering if they were about to land a quarterback who has been one of the hottest signal callers in college football of late. The tweet by someone who goes by the moniker Richard G. West. Uh, fake. Claimed that Spencer Rattler of South Carolina had not only entered the transfer portal, but was looking at coming to Lincoln. The tweet claimed that Rattler was joining uh, uh, Marcus Satterfield, who is reportedly leaving South Carolina for the Huskers to be Nebraska football's offensive coordinator. Scott or Marcus? I'm looking at this story. Jesus, this story doesn't even get it straight. Um, but it it took no time for that to just spread like wildfire across social media. It took no time at all wasn't just Nebraska football fans who were uh, fooled by it either. South Carolina fans not exactly happy when they saw the report stating that their quarterback was on the way out. Of course, like I said, it's fake. It's fake. And, like, probably the tip-off should have been the fact that, you know, ESPN didn't report on it. No news organization or, you know, sports news organization in Nebraska uh, said anything about it. The school didn't say anything about it, although I'm not really sure how much the school could have said anyway, uh, just because of NCAA rules. But, like, <laughs> we got to be careful out there, all right? Just be careful out on social media. Like, every everybody's in this rush to you know just kind of take information at this at this breakneck pace and 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 no more than than anybody else does at any given point uh first of all that's impossible second of all just do some quick like it, it takes no time at all to really kind of come to your own conclusions and go yeah this is this is garbage this is bullcrap <laughs> quite honestly no, this Richard G. West individual, whoever the hell he is, uh, when, whenever you see something that's just completely out of left field and only one person is is tweeting about it and only one person is uh, really even trying to verify anything, you know, and it happens to be the same person, chances are that's fake. That's fake, 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 fake. Then again, if I'm a Nebraska football fan at this point of uh, of my fandom, after, you know, the legendary Scott Frost era, the Scott Frost era, most uh most likely summed up in uh, in this uh 
in this simple way. Uh, obviously uh, disappointed Ooh. in the turnout. Um, <laughs> yes, so. very much so. <laughs> that is uh, that that is pretty much it in a nutshell. That was supposed to be something else, but it wasn't. <laughs> just a just a little look behind the uh, the old glass there. So, um, yeah, just be careful out there. All right, there, there's going to be there's going to be plenty coming out in the in the next few weeks, uh, you know, concerning the transfer portal and Notre Dame, of course. You know, are are, are they going to go out? Are they going to, you know, stick with stick with what they have at quarterback? Or are they going to try and upgrade for next season? You know, go get somebody with experience, somebody like Spencer Rattler, even. Um, You know, another kind of giveaway for the Spencer Rattler thing, he used up the freebie. He used up the free one that, that, that meant that he didn't have to wait a full year in order to play again. Used it up. Going from, what was it, Oklahoma to South Carolina? Nobody's doing that these days. Nobody. Like, things got to be bad for that to happen. Nobody's using up that freebie, so you know, just kind of think about these things. You know, go go to your go to your trusted sources. They're they're more plugged in than uh, than Richard G. West or or any of his ilk may be. All right, just do that for me. Do that for me. Uh, all of my all of my social media available uh, on my uh, my little. Uh, link tree page basically that I have a domain on jimonsports.com is uh, is where all my stuff is that's me uh, I'm gonna say this right now I am I'm not plugged in with anybody <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm basically just retweeting a bunch of nonsense all day and uh, and, and and putting out silly thoughts all day that, that's all I do in fact my Twitter what was the last thing that I that I tweeted out. Besides a uh, you know a link for the uh, link for the Twitch page. Uh, by the way, Twitch.tv/sportsradio960wsbt. Um, what was the last thing that I tweeted out? Just to uh, kind of prove things here. Yeah, pictured out. Uh, tweeted out a uh, picture of my dog. So. My dogs are adorable, don't get me wrong. They're absolutely adorable, but, you know, that's the kind of nonsense that, that you're going to get from me. If you, see, if you see anybody saying that they're me and they're breaking news, it, it, is, it is most likely fake. Uh, coming up, we say goodbye to, uh, to, to one basketball tournament while, while making room for another. We'll talk about the Bears. Uh, you know, I'll give you some thoughts about, you know, do they really need to be playing Justin Fields anymore this season? Do they really need to be doing that? That's all to come. It's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. M WSBT. Jim Rosarian for Darren Pritchett today. It's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
the uh, the Bears renewing their rivalry against the Packers this weekend. Do we really need to be playing? Do they really need to be playing uh, Justin Fields at all? Does that really need to be happening? Of course, uh, today they put Eddie Jackson on uh, on injured reserve. Uh, he's probably done with a uh, with a foot injury. They're saying it's a Liz Frank injury, uh, which um, yeah, that'll take some time to recover from. So Eddie Jackson's probably done for the done for the season. <laughs> Defense is about to get even worse, even worse. Um. Yeah, you trade you trade your uh, trade your two best uh, you know defenders at the trade deadline, and then you lose your third best. Oof. Yee. Um, Darnell Mooney also going to be out for the remainder of the se- of the season. He's going to be having uh, surgery on his ankle. Got placed on injured reserve today. Uh, Leading receiver for the Bears, 40 catches, 493 yards, a couple of touchdowns in there. He wasn't able to put any weight on his on his left leg when he left the uh, the game on Sunday. That should be a uh, you know a pretty big thing there. Mooney and and Jackson, just by the way, the latest victims of the MetLife Stadium turf. You hear the term turf monster, uh, a. F- a few times during a, uh, a football broadcast. You know, if somebody falls in, in the open field, nobody's around them, that's getting caught by the turf monster. It means something totally different at, at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. I mean, they're replacing that turf, you know, during the offseason, but uh, Jesus, that, that, that field is responsible for more leg injuries in the NFL than I think any other field in the league. The worst, the worst field. Worse even than, than than the turf at Soldier Field. But I digress. Yeah, big loss. It's a big loss losing losing Darnell Mooney, especially on the offensive side, which uh, seemed to kind of be figuring things out as, as time has gone on this season. Justin Fields, of course, you know, figuring things out. He was out, you know, of course, last Sunday against the Jets. That uh, that injury in his non-throwing shoulder, but you know it's 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 a huge loss. You know, losing losing Darnell Mooney. Sixteen more catches and nearly three hundred more receiving yards than the next most productive wideout. That being uh, Equinemia St. Brown. It's the one with the best report with with the uh, with Justin Fields. You know, I mean. Come on, man. That 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 that's such a gut punch too. <laughs> such a gut because he he's really one of those guys like if there was one reason to watch the Bears through the rest of the season, it was the possibility of 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 seeing Justin Fields throwing to Darnell Mooney. Just because like you saw that connection form last year. You saw it form last year. It it carried over to this year. Uh, you know, Maybe not in the way of uh, you know of, of of touchdowns or anything like that, but obviously Darnell Mooney is attached to the hip at, at with Justin Fields. All right, probably means all of his snaps are going to be uh, 
at least it makes sense to go this route. Uh, Chase Claypool. He's he he's he's that guy. He's the guy now. <laughs> you got to figure out what the hell you got with Chase Claypool too. I mean, you gave up a second round pick for him. You still got St. Brown. You still got Dante Pettis. You still got Byron Pringle. You know, Vellis Jones Jr., Nikhil Harry. You know, picking up some of the uh, picking up some of the slack. Is kind of worth noting that a field is most comfortable with the vets. You know, the more uh, you know, veteran player. That uh, that may you know may say something as far as. Uh, you know, who he can throw to. Next season, going to be Mooney's fourth in the NFL, going to be his uh, last one on his rookie contract as well. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll probably come back, you know, ready to play next season. But, uh, yeah, he's done for the rest of this season. So, you know, you, you had Justin Fields not in the game against the Jets at all uh, because of that shoulder injury. And while it's not his throwing shoulder, which, you know, breathe a, breathe a sigh of relief there, Bears fan. It, it wasn't it wasn't the throwing shoulder. It wasn't the moneymaker. It's still, you still got to think, is it worth seeing Justin Fields possibly get the other shoulder hurt before next season? Is it worth it? Just sit him. Like they're not the Bears aren't going anywhere anyway. All right, or are they already at nine wins? They're all not nine wins, nine losses. They're already there, I think. <laughs> right, pretty darn close. Go get that top three draft pick. All right. Just tank the rest of the season. Just tank it. You know, obviously the the offensive line isn't exactly where where you would want it to be. He doesn't have his top receiver now. And oh yeah, he's got his own injury that he's dealing with. Still pretty important to, you know, go out there with two healthy shoulders because, you know, the other one is probably going to be hit a lot more. Just sit him. If I'm a Bears fan, if I'm a Bears fan, I do not want to see Justin Fields anymore this season because I know what I've got. I know what I've got. He, he's, he has figured out how to navigate in the NFL. He has figured out how to play in the NFL. He has figured out that he is the franchise quarterback of the Chicago Bears, which automatically, I think, puts him at number three as far as greatest Bears quarterbacks ever. <laughs> you could probably make the case that Justin Fields is number three on the list. Like, if we're still having to bring up Sid Luckman, you know, the pickings are slim, but you get what I mean. He's the franchise. He's why you traded what you traded to move up and get him. He's why you didn't go and he's why you were patient 
with this draft, you really wanted to see, is this guy, is this guy for real? Look at what happens when he has a, an actual system behind him instead of whatever the hell it was Matt Nagy was doing last year. The Luke Getze system is, is, is working. But we know he's going to be fine using that system. Figured it out. <laughs> the Bears hopefully also figured it out in that time. Fingers crossed, anyway. Just sit him. You've got, you've got no reason whatsoever to have to play. Like... You're fighting with the Lions for, for, for last in the division. And the Lions actually seem to be on the upswing. Which, who'd have thought I'd, like anyone would ever be saying anything like that. But you know what you've got with Justin Fields. Don't screw it up. Like I know the next injury could be anything. You know, we can't really control, you know, what kind of injury somebody gets. But we can control, like, when it happens, when you're already hurt. You can push that next injury a long way down the list. He He can use this additional time, you know, kind of bulk up. Kind of get that non-throwing shoulder working good. While also working on the throwing shoulder, too. Get that tougher. Probably could stand another 10 pounds or so. I mean, he's a big, he's a big guy, but... In, in today's NFL, you know, wouldn't be, wouldn't be terrible if he had another 10, 15, maybe even 20 pounds on him. I don't think it'll do it. I don't think it would do anything against his speed. You've got absolutely nothing to gain by, by playing just fields anymore. All right. Got everything to lose, actually, by playing him more than anything. <laughs> like you you could completely screw up your, your entire uh, your entire draft uh, strategy if you continue to play him because he's going to be the reason why they could win like an additional what two or three games over the course of the rest of the season. Like, I'm, like I, I've got a feeling Bears are probably going to be beating the Colts. That's going to happen. Oh, that Colts game last night, by the way. We'll get into the, we'll get into the Colts coming up in, in a little bit. But like Justin Field, you know, just on, just on his skill alone, you know, if he had the full offense, if he had the full... Uh, the full uh, battery of tools, you know, like a Darnell Mooney, he's more than likely just like the offense is just winning games just because that offense is clicking and moving. You know, David Montgomery's been having a pretty solid year. Mooney was having a pretty solid year. Justin Fields figured it out. There's your foundation. 
Khalil Herbert was uh, was playing himself into that rotation until uh, until he got hurt and got put on injured reserve. He might be back before the end of the season, but hell, he's another guy. You know, you could even you could even make the case that Khalil Herbert is really the better of the two running backs at the bear. You know, better than David Montgomery. Granted, they're they're different styles. They're different styles of runners. But Khalil Herbert makes that offense click even more. You know, Montgomery's a uh, you know kind kind of a more traditional runner. You know, kind of ground and pound. Khalil Herbert's the the spark plug. I'm not sure you want to see Khalil Herbert anymore this season. Just tank. Just tank, man. There, there is no shame in tanking the rest of this season, Bears fans. No shame whatsoever. Of course, there's you know, obviously probably going to be some meathead you know, on, on, on my Twitter or even the station's Twitter as well. You know, Sports Radio 960, by the way, on Twitter. Um, going, this guy didn't know what he's talking about. Some meathead. Yeah, I do. I say this as 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 the fan of a team. I'm a Giants fan. I say this as the fan of a team who. I mean, do I really, do I really want them to go out and re-sign Daniel Jones? Is Daniel Jones the best the Giants are going to be able to do? Of course not. Like we can we can keep this year as like you know kind of like an aberration really you know as like you know just how good of a coach Brian Dable is. In case you know next year is just a six win team because you know they've got a new quarterback and a new rookie quarterback maybe. Not that Daniel Jones has been terrible, but I I don't see it, man. I don't see that. You're light years ahead, Bears fans. You're light years ahead of the Giants as far like you've got you've got the biggest part of the puzzle figured out. Don't screw it up. <laughs> Ryan Poles, don't don't screw this up. Matt Eberflus, don't screw this up. Matt Eber Eberflus, by the way. Saying exactly the thing that I would want to hear as a Bears fan. Field starts when medically approved. So there's that. Just just hide them behind doctors and <laughs> through, through the rest of the season. Just put put guys in lab coats in front of Justin Fields the entire time. Just have them there in front of them on the sideline even. It's okay. It's okay to tank the rest of this. Trust me, it'll help. You gave it the good effort. But Fields got hurt, and you don't want him to get more hurt, possibly worse hurt, than he already is. Save it for next year. You're not going anywhere. Just just, just save him, okay? 
Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Also brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. And Pet Refuge urging you to adopt. Don't shop. I mentioned uh, I mentioned the Colts and the Monday night football game last night, which, of course, Steelers wound up winning. By the way, I would say a solid 40% of, of Lucas Oil Stadium was Steelers fans. Woof. They are not happy in Indianapolis. They are not happy one bit in Indianapolis. We'll get to the Colts coming up in uh, in just a few. It's Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. M WSBT. Here we go, Ryan out of the gun, shotgun snap. He floats to his left, squares his shoulders, throws downfield, and it's incomplete. No flag intended for Paris Campbell, and coverage is Sutton for the Steelers, and the Colts have turned it over on downs with 24 seconds to play. Matt Taylor on the Colts radio network. That's the last play from last night's game between the uh, the Steelers and the Colts. Monday night football. Steelers winning uh, 24-17. Good Lord, that game was ugly. Oh, man. Colts dropping to four seven and one. They're one and two since uh, since Jeff Saturday took over. Well, like I said, somewhere between forty and fifty percent Steeler fan last night at uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's like I know Steeler fans travel. I know that they travel really really well, but ugh. That is how bad things have gotten in Indianapolis. Here is uh, here's some audio last night. This is Jeff Saturday in his uh, in his post game press conference. Uh, obviously uh, disappointed in the turnout. Um, started way too slow. Both phases, or really all three phases, um, turning it over in our own side. Defense fought and held up and. Um, then gave up points. We didn't. We didn't do nearly enough in the first half. Dug ourselves a big hole. Felt like the effort was good. They fought, came back strong in the second half. Um, gave themselves opportunities again. Fumble inside the one yard line. Can't do it, and um, not not converting at the uh, with the two minute there at the end. So. Um, I think ultimately, you know, you can't have two turnovers against a team like that. Third down conversion wasn't nearly good enough. Again, the first half had a ton to do with that. Um, just didn't make enough plays. Jeff, that was about Ryan's scramble. Were you thinking you might call timeout? No, I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. We still had timeout, so I wasn't too concerned. I really wanted, I, you know, when he was going down, I couldn't tell where they were going to start him from going down, right? Like if he was going to get the first down, and then we got there. Um, I expect this to get on the ball and be and have another play um, a little bit quicker than that. But again, it wasn't a, this wasn't a press for time. We just didn't make enough plays. Yeah, the 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, when we walked in, I just said, hey, this, you're going to learn a lot about who you are right now, right? And uh, Z got up and, and uh, you know, gave the breakdown and just challenged everybody. And those guys, you know, they stepped up and made the, you know, met the challenge. It was uh, obviously it wasn't nearly good enough the first half. And uh, I think everybody felt it way, you know, just, just not nearly enough plays and really self-inflicted wounds, uh, which has kind of been the story the last two weeks against opponents that, you know, you feel like you have an opportunity and don't make enough to, to close it out. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about college, but no, I mean, you know, today it was it was uh, it wasn't um, it, it wasn't a hit. It was a, a mesh, uh, you know, he and the QB and, and you know, getting the mesh. And so, um, yeah, one of those that you I don't know that I've seen it. If I have, I haven't seen it very often. Uh, obviously, that's tough to tough to stomach inside the one yard line. Yeah, I mean, listen, I felt like um, from a, I felt the defense started good. You know, obviously they gave up, the, the, you know, you gave up the field goal, but then we give them a short, um, you know, we turn it over inside our own and they hold. Um, so I thought they fought. The effort was good there. For us, we, we, you know, we, there were plays to be made. We just didn't make them. And, um, you know, we, we thought we could attack them down the field. They, you know, they were, they were pressing us up pretty good early in the game and we were trying to get some plays off and, and just, Communication wasn't great. Execution wasn't great. Again, you can point fingers, and it's like everybody takes a turn at different moments. And uh, so, you know, collectively, we just didn't do enough. And you saw we come out in the second half, and it looks like two totally different offenses, one that's in rhythm, moving, no new plays. You know, we talk about all the time, no new plays, no new players. It boils down to executing. And uh, we, just, we just did a much better job in the second half than we did the first. Uh, I don't. I think the uh, the first one, the kid made a good play. He fell off in, in the coverage he was in. Um, I, I think it was um, um, I think it was Pitt who was trying to sit down. And he fell off another another receiver to make the play. So it was a, yeah, a heck of a play for the kid to make, and uh, just just re you know had good eyes on the play. And the second one, like I said, just you know untimely, and you know you hate to see it again. How often does that happen? It may never happen in his career again. Just unfortunately, it happened tonight. Yeah. Right. No, Matt's doing. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt's going to continue to be the guy. We're going to, like I said, we're going to keep keep moving forward, keep pressing forward with what we got. And um, yeah, I tell the guys in the locker room, man, it's not. It's we got the players in the locker room to do it. We got the plays to do it. We we got to figure out how to execute and um, in moments that matter. And so that's that's really what we got to focus in on and hone in on. Yeah, I didn't feel like time was really of the essence at the moment. I thought we had a good play. Um, I thought we would get to yeah, I, and I felt like we would get to it. You know, we, um, you know, obviously we don't do great on the backside, so it, it, it's it's worse than it. You know, but I felt good about the call before. Felt like we had time. We would have timeouts afterwards. We were in striking distance, so yeah, I, I never felt like the pressure of needing the timeout. Thought, like I said, I thought the call was good, and the you know we had. Again, we were in that mode pretty much the whole second half, so it was pretty consistent with what we were doing. So again, it wasn't like a change for us. Um, we just didn't execute it. 
Oh, so glad he's back. I mean, I had a heck of a day. Um, you know, Jelani a, is a massive human being and uh, got, got a great attitude, a great heart. Kid fights and, um, you know, made play after play for us. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys you're, you're super excited to get him back in the lineup, made a bunch of plays for us tonight. Yeah, I actually think they did a pretty decent job, and they gave us a self, you know, gave ourselves a shot to win. Um, you know, I thought they matched up again, and I've talked to these guys. It's going to have to get better each and every week. I think they're making strides. That's a really good group, um, and I thought they fought. You know, some of the I know a couple of the sacks. Um, you know, one was a nickel in coverage coming down to make the sack. You know, in offensive line, so not all sacks are equal. Um, but I thought the guys really did a good job. I thought uh, Bernie did a really good job again. Put a big hat on him, uh, blocking High Smith and that whole side. And then obviously blocking uh, TJ um, on the right side for, um, you know, when, when you talk about those two guys and the guys in the middle, they had a heck of an opportunity. I thought they met up and, and, and fought well. Anything from the writers who just came down? Uh, just one more on the, on the end of game situation. I, I know you said you, you weren't concerned about the time left on the clock, but a timeout would give Parks Frazier a chance to maybe come up with this. Yeah, we already had it. I mean, we had it as the play was happening. We already had, again, that was kind of the mode we were in the whole second half. So we already had it in the head. We were going actually to the next play. So as soon as as soon as he got tackled, we knew where we were going. And um, again, I, I mean, would I have liked him to snap it a little bit earlier? Sure. But again, never felt pressed for time. Never felt like uh, we wanted to get to something different. You know, you just got, like I said, it's, you know, we, we had made that, that same play a couple times and done well with it. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. So in that seven minutes, I'm pretty sure that he was asked about time management four times. Defended it last night. You know, I mean, like, especially at the end of the game. Matt Ryan sacked for the seven-yard loss on, on, on first down. Then scrambles for 14 yards on second down. Second down gets snapped with 59 seconds left. Colts elected not to call a timeout despite having all three of them. Instead, went slow. They handed it off to Jonathan Taylor, who, by the way, other than that that carry, looked like Jonathan Taylor, actually. 20 carries, 86 yards, a touchdown. Not bad. But stopped for no gain on, on the third and three, and they finally called the timeout after the Taylor run, and that left 30 seconds on the clock. And, of course, you know, you heard the last play. They, they attempt the, the throw to... Paris Campbell, that who was in double coverage for some reason. Steelers take over on downs. They run out the clock. They win 24-17. But yeah, I thought we had a good play. I felt like we would get it. Obviously, we didn't do a great job blocking on the backside, so it's worse. But I felt good about the call. Felt like we had time. We would have timeouts afterwards. We were in striking distance, so I never felt like the pressure of needing the timeout. Interesting what happens when you when you get like a night to sleep on things, because uh, he said earlier today that he actually kind of regrets some of the team's handling of the of that late of la- late game scenario. Said this uh, in his uh, in his comments today. I wish I had that third that third down back because, in all honesty, wish I'd used the timeout. Just looking at it on film from a time perspective, I felt good, but you could tell we were in disarray. I just didn't have a great feel. 
I think we've discovered why everybody went, wait, why, why are they hiring the guy from ESPN? Why, why are they ha- hiring the guy who has no head coaching experience to, to be the interim head coach of the team midway through the season? Feel. Sports update coming up. <laughs> talk a little uh, talk a little college football too coming up. Big Ten uh, suspending Michigan State finally for that uh, for that post game altercation. Got some uh, got a couple of bets for you too for tonight. All coming up. Budweiser's weekday sports beat sports radio nine sixty WSBT WSBT. Missouri in for Darren Pritchett the rest of the week. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This portion brought to you by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Also by Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Finally, the Big Ten got off of its duff and did something about the uh, the little altercation that happened in the Michigan Stadium tunnel back on October 29th after the game between Michigan State and Michigan. Finally got off their butts and did something about it. You know, it only took a month. Conference uh, conference's statement Monday. Uh, here's here's the highlights. Basically, uh, the conference fined Michigan State one hundred thousand dollars. Michigan State cornerback Kari Crump will be unable to play the remainder of this season. Is Michigan State going bowling this weekend? This year? I didn't think they were good enough to. Yeah. Anyway, well, he's he's out for that if if they make it. He's also going to be uh, missing the first. Eight games of next season. That is substantial. Also, a public reprimand was issued to Michigan for failing to protect personnel of both home and visiting teams when entering and leaving playing arenas. Uh, six players. Tavion Brown, Angelo Gross, Justin White, Brandon Wright, Zion Young, and Jacoby Windman charged with misdemeanors. Crump charged with one count of felonious assault. Uh, Brown, Gross, White, Wright, and Young facing misdemeanor charges for uh, one count of aggravated assault each. Windman facing a misdemeanor charge for one count of assault and battery. Of course, uh, the, uh, the the incident left Wolverines players, uh, Jamon Green and Jaden McBurrows, with injuries. Uh, those eight players suspended by Michigan State. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the Big Ten had to do something about this. Michigan State's athletic director uh, and head coach Mel Tucker issuing a joint statement yesterday. We accept the findings of the Big Ten Conference and are ready to move forward as a football program. We are committed to supporting our student-athletes and will continue, continue to do so throughout this process. 
Brown, Gross, White, Winman, Wright, and Young will immediately be reinstated to the program. Michigan uh, saying that the uh, that their program, their athletic director Ward Manuel, uh, saying that he accepts the Big Ten Conference's findings in full. Big Ten statement from the uh, commissioner Kevin Warren. Big Ten Conference has a standard of excellence built both academically and athletically that's been built over 127 years. Our standards require that our student athletes, coaches, and staff members represent the conference and their member institutions with the highest level of decorum and sportsmanship. We are taking disciplinary action and will continue to work with our member institutions to strengthen their game day procedures and ensure our time-honored traditions. Um, What the hell took so long? Like, the video's right there. It's like it's right there. The eight Michigan State players basically going after two Michigan players while wearing full pads, mind you. You know, helmets, shoulder pads, everything. Like they had just gotten off the field. The two Michigan players were in the locker room already getting treated for injury. Like they, and they were not. They weren't dressed. They didn't have any pads. They were in they were they were in their civilian wear, as I guess the police would call it. What the hell took so long? It's all right there in the video. Guys with numbers on. Now Crump getting, you know, eight eight games. You know, the first eight games of next season just gone out. Okay, all right, I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. What about the other dudes? You know, like I mentioned, you know, Crump charged with one count felonious assault. Uh, Brown, Gross, White, Wright, and Young, one count each of aggravated assault. Windman misdemeanor charge, one count assault and battery, like all misdemeanors. So. Why is Kari Crump taking taking the biggest taking the biggest shot here? Like all those guys should be suspended for the first eight games of next season, and whatever possible bowl game comes up. Again, I don't think there is going to be one, but you get what I mean, right? Odd that odd that the Odd that the one gets singled out for, you know, gets the harshest penalty for the, you know, actions of the entire group. It just strikes me as a little bit odd. Elsewhere in college football, leaders of the college football playoff issuing an ultimatum to the Rose Bowl this week. A self-imposed deadline of Wednesday to determine whether the CFP can expand in time for the start of the 2024 regular season. And if the game's most storied bowl can't agree to the terms, it's possible it could be excluded from the New Year's Six bowl rotation in the next contract, according to sources telling ESPN. If the CFP doesn't expand in time for the 2024 season, it will lose roughly $450 million in potential gross revenue. So... Obviously, there's mounting pressure to make a decision this week. 
Rose Bowl's position, not the only obstacle that has slowed this process, but it is the last and the most complicated of them. Discussion centered around one of the most lucrative TV windows in college sports. Uh, you know, the, the game wants to maintain January 1st, 2 p.m. Pacific. That's, that's when we play the Rose Bowl. Apparently, you know, CFPs want to change that a little bit for a, a CFP final or semifinal. Rose Bowl willing to temporarily concede its relationship with the Big Ten and Pac-12 to host a quarterfinal game in 2024 and 2025, but in return asked for assurances in the new contract. No contract in place beyond the 12-year deal, which runs through the 2025 season. But that would that would be so weird. You know, like the Rose like the Rose Bowl just off doing its own thing. Which, granted, it, it kinda does anyway. Like every one of these bowl games, they're they're all just doing their own thing. But that could affect That could affect the, the, the kind of uh, relationships that, or, or at least the kind of, uh, of, uh, of bowl matchups anyway, that the Rose Bowl can typically get. You know, Big Ten versus Pac-12, you know, has been for years. You know, outside of like playoff years where, you know, one of, one of those teams is in the playoff. Like, that would... That would drastically drive things down, wouldn't it? Like the quality of of the teams going in to the Rose Bowl, right? Like I'm not the only one seeing that, right? A CFP source said it was fair to call it an ultimatum, but not a threat. CFP leaders are asking the Rose Bowl to reconsider some of the guarantees it's seeking in the next contract. When the 10 FBS commissioners and Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick negotiate the next TV deal... They're unanimous in their desire to have multiple TV partners. ESPN currently the sole rights holder for the uh, college football playoff through the 2025 season. Source said the CFP has assured the Rose Bowl it will do everything it can to work around the January 1st, 2 p.m. Pacific time slot, but has asked all, all of the Bulls to take a leap of faith because the commissioners can't be bound to promises that will or won't impact the value as they're trying to negotiate the next deal. And good for the Rose Bowl for for sticking to its guns. Nope, we want two two p.m. Pacific. That's us. That's Rose Bowl time. It'd be weird if it was you know six p.m. Pacific. You know, be a little, something just a little off about that. <laughs> tuning in, tuning in at nine o'clock for the like that that would be. God, that would that would mess with my head just a just a touch. So maybe we hear something about the uh, the new TV deal coming up before the end of the week, possibly even today, possibly even tonight. New uh, new college football playoff rankings, of course, uh, going to be available tonight, uh, a little after seven o'clock after uh, after this year program is done. But uh, obviously, you'll hear. You know, CBS Sports Radio talking about them and, and all that. So 
more talk about them all throughout the day tomorrow. Definitely here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat tomorrow. So, yeah, new playoff rankings. No, I'm not expecting Notre Dame to be part of them, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, I mean, at, at this point of the season, we're all about the top four anyway. Is Ohio State going to stay in the top four? Oh, they got they got thoroughly waxed on, on on Saturday by Michigan. Thoroughly waxed. Like there's no there's no way that they could stay right. Mm. Mm. Still to come some uh, some gambling talk. Also turn our attention a little bit to college basketball. Uh, Notre Dame got a uh, game tomorrow night. The uh, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We'll talk about that coming up just a little bit. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. M WSBT. How do I say goodbye to what we had? The good time. ESPN, it's pretty easy to say goodbye to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Of course, Notre Dame taking on Michigan State tomorrow night in the what's uh, turning into the final ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, 9-15 tip-off on that game, by the way, at Purcell Pavilion. Um... Stuff keeping a straight face while boys to men just bust it out, you know? Michigan State, Notre Dame, basketball tomorrow night, 9.15 tip. Pre-game starts at 8.45 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The, uh, the women's edition, Notre Dame women going to be playing Maryland on, uh, on Thursday night. 6.30 tip on that. Uh... Coverage starts at 6.15 over on our sister station, Live 99.9. So, um, so why? Why is the ACC Big Ten Challenge going away? <laughs> all right, here we, all right, enough of that. Uh, it's, it's all money. It's all money. And in this case, specifically, the recent wrangling between TV networks over the rights to broadcast Big Ten sporting events in the coming years. It's all it is. It's the new deal. The seven-year deal worth, you know, more than $8 billion. It didn't include ESPN. Which, of course, has been the home to the ACC Big Ten Challenge since its inception in 1999. Been going on that long. No wonder I feel old whenever I'm talking about uh, whenever I'm talking about this thing ending. It has been around for a while. However, to uh, alleviate that, you know, don't don't think that ESPN is just going to let some you know 
a fat pitch like that to go unswung at. Introducing the ACC-SEC Challenge for Men's and Women's Basketball, starting in 2023. The SEC Big 12 Challenge, by the way, that's also going away. Right now, there's there's somebody in, in one of the Big 12 markets, you know. Yep, they're queuing it up. <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. Um, the ACC, of course, leading the uh, the men's ACC Big Ten Challenge 12-8-3 after winning the first 10 years, but the conference has only won two of the last 13 and tied in three seasons. Hmm. Okay. ACC is 10-1-3 in the women's challenge, which began in 2007. So not exactly a surprise. You know, it's like not really, like kind of figured... Yeah, there's probably no way that this is going to be able to continue, is there? Huh. As soon as that $8 billion uh, Big Ten TV deal didn't include ESPN, figured, you know, it's probably on the way out. Uh, Nick Dawson, the uh, ESPN vice president of programming, saying in a release... We look forward to showcasing the talented men's and women's programs throughout the ACC and SEC in the years ahead through this exciting new collaboration with both conferences. Since establishing the very first interconference challenge in 1999. <laughs> oh, they're already trying to wipe the wipe the history of it from from the from the slates, aren't they? Uh, these events have been a staple of our college basketball schedule for more than two decades. We thank both the Big Ten and Big 12 for their partnership in the final year of our existing events and look forward to finding more ways to cre- to creatively partner with both conferences in 2023 and 24 and beyond. So. I don't know about you. I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting. I'll be sitting in front of the TV. You know, it's uh, what is it? ESPN two for the for both games actually. ESPN two for both the uh, the men's game tomorrow night and uh, and the women's game on Thursday night. Uh, definitely sitting, you know, almost holding vigil in my living room about the ACC Big Ten challenge going away. I'll be there with a <laughs> one lone candle lit. <laughs> On the coffee table. <laughs> Over a basketball challenge. <laughs> so, enjoy it while you can, everybody. Speaking of goodbyes, Jose Abreu and the White Sox. I know, rough way to rip off that band-aid, especially for White Sox fans. Uh Agreeing to a deal yesterday with the uh, with the Astros, three years, twenty million bucks a year. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, Jose Abreu, three three time All Star, he won the AL MVP in twenty twenty, slashed three hundred four, three seventy eight, and four forty six last year. Fifteen homers, that was a little low. Seventy five RBIs, Still leads first baseman in RBIs since 2014 with 863. Second in home runs with 243. 
It's going to be, he's heading into his, you know, into his year 36. So he should probably most likely be a DH at this point, right? And of course, you know, for, for White Sox fans, they, they've, White Sox fans have been prepping for this uh, really since the end of the season. Um, there, there, there was literally no effort whatsoever by the White Sox to try and re-sign Jose Abreu. Like, just none. And we had known that there wasn't going to be any for quite some time. Jerry Reinsdorf, the, uh, the chairman of the White Sox, putting out a statement today. Jose Abreu deservedly belongs among the roster of White Sox franchise all-time greats. His determination and commitment to the game each and every day made him the consummate professional, always leading by example. It was my fervent hope that Jose would never wear another uniform, as I told him many times throughout the years. Unfortunately, hope is not always translated into reality. While we ended up in different places in the business side of the game, Jose and I always shared the same love of baseball. I'm grateful to Jose for his friendship and the impact he made for the White Sox franchise, both on the field and in the community. I want to thank him for always representing the values of the White Sox organization in the great city of Chicago. Strength, hard work, pride, and tenacity. His legacy is written in the White Sox record books forever. Now, I'm sure that there's some White Sox fan going, why didn't you? Why didn't you resign? Because the White Sox are actually kind of in the right on this. You can't go paying thirty-six-year-old Jose Abreu, no matter how much good baseball he has left. You can't go signing him to a three-year deal with twenty mil on the books each year. Jose Abreu is not a twenty million dollar a year guy anymore. Getting, you know, like he's he's probably going to he'll probably play out this contract, sign the ceremonial, you know, last year deal with the White Sox and retire that way. If I'm guessing correctly, anyway, I would imagine that they're probably at least at the very least going to offer that or at least try to make that happen. Both sides, really. But the White Sox are totally in the right for this. That's a ridiculous number that Jose Abreu wanted. <laughs> Absolutely insane. You can't go giving. You can't. You, he's. Just, it's just not worth it. Thirty homers probably just not in the cards anymore for for Jose Abreu. That's what you're paying him for. That's what I think the Astros just overpaid for. And also in the field, you know, he's he has slowed down considerably in the field. Granted, great shape still for 36, but I mean, you know, time's undefeated in that department. It really is. But Andrew Vons, he, he he's going back to his natural position of first base. 
So there's your replacement right there. So really, the the new point of interest for the White Sox turns to left field. Vaughn going to first base. Jimenez probably going somewhere else in the field, or to DH all the time. And they go, they go, they go get the right left field. I mean, there's a there's a couple of solid outfielders out there. You know, I mean. White Sox have been connected to Michael Conforto for some time. Of course, Conforto sat out all last year, uh, rehabbing that injured shoulder. Um, you know, Brandon Nimmo's still out there. You know, Brandon Nimmo would be quite the pickup for the White Sox from a defensive standpoint, and also from just him being a leadoff hitter. Like he's a true leadoff hitter. Got a little bit of pop, but, I mean, you know, tons of speed on the base path. He, he is a fantastic table setter. That's why it's been so damn hard for the Mets to resign him. Anyway. So, yeah, those are, those are the goodbyes. It's amazing how Jose Abreu's numbers, though, have gotten better as he has aged. With the exception of home runs. You know, 15 this year. Not, uh, not great. Not great. Talk some betting. Got, uh, got three picks. I had three picks last night. It was okay on two of them. <laughs> okay on a couple of prop bets last night. The stupid Colts straight up. Always going to get me. It's always going to get me. Why do I always go, you know, hometown, you know, home team in that in that department? Why do I always do that? It's coming up. Wrapping up Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Coming up next, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. M WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Presented, of course, by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Also by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the food bank of northern Indiana, Four Winds Casinos, Legacy Heating and Air, Midland Engineering Company, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, Pet Refuge, South Bend Orthopedics, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, and Edward Jones. So. Wrapping things up, let's uh, let's try and make that wallet a little fatter, huh? Two and two last night. Last night. Last night, I may have been a little bit foolish with my money. Not going to lie. <laughs> this is the hair. I decided to try and take the under. Point total last night was 39.5 for Monday Night Football. I went with the under. Obviously did not hit that. 
also went for Colts straight up. That also did not work. However, Jonathan Taylor scoring an anytime touchdown. Michael Pittman Jr. also scoring an anytime touchdown. Those did work for me. So, hey. All right. So I'm 2-2 two two on the week. Got three bets for you. Got a couple of basketball. One hockey. You know, one pro, one college um, basketball bet. Start with the NBA. Actually, let's start with with the NHL one first because that's that's the first one that's starting. Carolina's at Pittsburgh tonight, seven o'clock face-off there. I like Carolina straight up plus one hundred on the money line. Hurricanes own a plus two hundred five shot differential. Penguins are minus fourteen this season. Carolina's ranked number two in shots against. Pittsburgh ranked number thirty. The, uh, the last time these teams played, which was back in March of last season, Pittsburgh won 4-2 despite getting outshot 43-22. I'm liking the road team here. I like Carolina. Plus 100 is a fantastic price. You can double your money really quick right there. So, Carolina plus 100. Uh, the, uh, the college basketball game tonight, part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. May she rest in peace after this week. Virginia is at Michigan. That's a 9.30 tip-off. Virginia favored by four and a half. Even on the road, that's worth playing. Cavaliers been playing some really quality basketball of late. Winning over Illinois, winning over Baylor. Michigan has not been playing quality basketball of late. Michigan's already got lost to Arizona State. Barely scraped by Jackson State and Ohio on its home floor. This may be a long, long year in, in Ann Arbor on uh, on the hardwood. Virginia, minus four and a half. That's playing at minus 105. So, and then uh, the NBA game tonight. That tips off at 10 o'clock. That is the Clippers at Portland. First meeting of the season between these two clubs. No Dame Lillard for Portland, but the Clippers are without Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Luke Kennard, and John Wall. Hmm. Just by the amount that they're going to be without. Which way do you think that I should go here? Yes, I know Portland's cooled off a little bit, but they should be able to pull this one out at home with... The Clippers' four top guys not playing tonight. Portland straight up, minus 165 on the money line. So my picks for tonight. Carolina, plus 100 in the NHL at Pittsburgh. Virginia, Virginia in the points tonight at Michigan, 930 tip. And uh, Portland straight up against the Clippers at a, uh, a 10 o'clock tip. Personally, I, I think my I think my record's going to, to five and two tomorrow, but you know the under last night for Monday Night Football was a little bit of a bad beat. So I'm just saying. Of course, the uh, the college football playoff new rankings coming out tonight. Conference championship weekend uh, is pretty much all that's left. 
And really, the CFP picture is almost all but done. But, you know, five teams should remain in that. Should, anyway. A sixth still with an outside shot. Of course, Michigan's round of Ohio State and Columbus on Saturday is all but guaranteed. Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines, uh, a second straight appearance. 12-0. and 0, Can likely have... Can likely even possibly lose to Purdue in the Big Ten Championship game and still find a slot in the top four. Eight and four, Purdue, by the way. Huh? Georgia actually kind of seems to be in the same boat, too. They can lose uh, the, the SEC Championship to LSU. By the way, you'll be able to hear the SEC Championship and the Big Ten Championship right here Saturday uh Saturday afternoon and Saturday night right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But yeah, defending national champs, once again, they made it through the regular season unscathed. Likely going to get a bid in the uh, in the college football playoff, even if they lose to LSU. After that, it gets a little dicey. It gets a little dicey after that. TCU, also 12-0. But it doesn't take anybody really with a set of eyes to uh, to realize that they haven't been in the same ballpark as the other undefeated teams in the committee's eyes up until this point. Other teams, have, you know, they've fallen out of the race over the past few weeks. Is TCU really, you know, that that firmly in? I mean, TCU, USC, or Ohio State. Put that matchup in your noggin for a little bit. TCU has to win the Big 12 championship, like, large. Might be able to do that against Kansas State. Maybe. I don't know. Not holding my breath for it. Pretty safe to say that if USC wins the Pac-12 championship... Avengers, it's lost to Utah, completes the season of 12 and 1. They're probably in the playoff. Of course, a loss would uh, kind of extinguish those hopes. And, you know, much like I wanted Notre Dame to be the spoiler last week against USC, I'm rooting for Utah to play to do the same. But it's easy for, for USC. Win on, win on Friday night, you're in the playoff. Lose and you're not. It's, they're pretty cut and dry. Ohio State, though, Ohio State should be rooting for two things, and one of them may be the only realistic thing. First and foremost, you're rooting for a USC loss, and then you're rooting that TCU gets routed by Kansas State. Not likely, but hearing the committee talk about game control or something on Sunday wouldn't be all that shocking, so... Austin Mock's uh, projected college football playoff rankings tonight. Top four. Georgia at one, Michigan at two, TCU at three. Ohio State at four. USC at five. So, I mean, seriously, like, USC just has to win. Like that, that'll that'll take all the mystery out of everything.
I don't I don't I don't buy Ohio State, you know, making it in. Like if anything, I could I could probably see LSU somehow sneaking their way in. Then we gotta see, you know. Then we gotta see the purple one in all his glory. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh that's all coming up with the uh, college football playoff rankings. Back again tomorrow for Budweiser's weekday sports beat from uh, from five uh, five to seven tomorrow. I'm Jim Irizarry. Have a good night. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 